welcome to Atari Bytes, the show where we take a bite out of the story within a classic Atari 2600 game and see if that story bites us back. My name is Bill, this is episode 243. Thanks for listening. Welcome back, everybody. Happy mid-September. All our kids are back to school in some fashion. My kids are already exhausted after a whole two days going to school. Um, And three days, well, two days of working at home. As I record this, Labor Day week was the first week of school for us, Uh, so they had Monday off, and then it was back to the grind, which meant sitting at home Tuesday and Wednesday, and then back in the building on Thursday and Friday. As you're hearing this, a whole nother week has happened, so who knows? They may have dropped out to join the circus by now. I'm not really sure. We'll see. I hope all the rest of you are doing well. Those of you on the West Coast dealing with the wildfires, stay safe. Hopefully somebody will figure out that while gender reveal parties may be a convenient scapegoat. Um, Really, we're talking about a climate change issue here uh, with all these fires, and we should maybe get on that. I don't know. Just a crazy thought that uh, we pretty much only got one Earth, and if we screw that up even more, we're kind of screwed. Thus ends the political rant, such as it is for this episode. All right. Well, I don't really have any news to talk about because there's absolutely nothing going on in the world right now. Hey everybody, Future Bill here. After I got done recording, I noticed that we had some feedback past episodes, and I thought I should probably throw that in here. So, that is what I'll do. Rob O'Hara, hi Rob, commented on something that I said in the Hero episode. I don't remember exactly what I said. I think I made a comment to the effect of that it only dawned on me late in the game, pun intended, what Hero stood for. Helicopter Emergency Rescue Operation. Rob wrote... On Facebook, I am curious what version of the manual you were referring to during your episode. I have the C-64 version and Helicopter Emergency Rescue Operation. Appears both on the first page of the manual and the front cover of the box. Hero is a classic for sure. Thanks for writing in, Rob. I don't have the manual here in front of me. It probably said right there on the front what Hero stood for. I don't remember how I came to the knowledge late in the episode last time, but whatever it was, it didn't jump out to me immediately. I should probably turn to my podcaster's license right now. Thanks for the catch. Feel free to write in and tell me when I'm a doofus anytime. On the last episode, I uh, commented, I I was relaying a comment, and I apologize. I don't remember who made the comment or offered the question why the music was off, in a sense, in Gyrus. Uh, And I didn't know the answer to that, but Jim Fullerton jumped in. Hi, Jim. And did, and it's actually a pretty obvious answer. He said on Twitter, the music's off in Gyrus because the VCS cannot reproduce all notes to the correct pitch. That seems intuitive. It it makes a lot of sense. He linked to an Atari Age article from 2011, Atari 2600 music often out of tune, question mark. Someone had posed the question, I haven't written any code for the Atari 2600, so I'm a below newbie so far. What I'm wondering, just from playing several games in Stella, is how come a lot of soundtracks for the games sound out of tune? Someone responded that possibly the best way to make songs songs sound less out of tune is to choose notes that are somewhat in tune. The downside of this method is that you have a very narrow selection of notes to use. That's probably the reason most of my 2600 songs sound pretty much the same. Once someone says it, then it's obvious. Oh, okay. Well, it's the VCS. They just couldn't do any better than that. So, but thanks for pointing it out to us, Jim. Appreciate that. Michael Tyler also posted on the Patreon page, Metal Jesus Rocks, favorite video game. At the age of 12, Hero was pretty much impressive 
was pretty impressive to me for an Atari 2600 game. I agree, Michael. Thanks for writing in. I really liked Hero a lot. I am sorry that I had not really played it before, because it is a really good game, and I'm glad you liked it. Uh, I'm guessing you're not alone. And yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks for writing in, everybody. Uh, keep the comments coming. Uh, all of you, the rest of you listening, uh, you can make comments uh, come in, too. And you can correct me when I do dumb things, because that's fun. Um, contact the show in one of the various ways that we'll talk about at the end of the show. All right, let's get back to the other stuff that I said before I added this part. So let's get on to this week's game. This week's game is... Which of you Imagic experts has created the toughest game for Atari's video system? Demon attack! Fire breath. You not good enough for demon attack. You win. I'm winning. Good work, Voltar. Demon attack really is tough. Imagine demon attack. In television version, coming soon. Demon attack from. I always mess this up. Imagic, I magic. You know the one. 1982. This game was written, uh, in case you're wondering, by Bob, uh, Rob Fulop. We'll talk about him in a minute. And it is played thusly. You are marooned on the ice planet Crybor. The fact that it's an ice planet really has no bearing on the game, other than it sounds cool. And I guess that explains why uh, what you see on the screen, the, the part that your ship is sitting on, is blue. I would have liked for the ice planet factor to play into the game some more. Maybe, um... I don't know, maybe you have trouble controlling where your ship is because it kind of slides on the ice or something. That might have been cool. But no, it really doesn't have any bearing other than the idea of an ice planet. Sounds cool. You watch legions of eerie creatures scream overhead. There's not a whole lot of screaming in the game either. Although there are some kind of cool sounds. So the manual tells us these eerie creatures hover ominously. They give you no quarter. Attack and destroy them or be destroyed. Armed with your laser cannon, you confront... The ultimate challenge, survive. And that's all in capitals with an exclamation point, so you know it's important. The objective, obviously, is to destroy demons and accumulate points before you and your laser cannon meet with oblivion, keep reserve bunkers intact, and increase their number by avoiding your foe's fire. I don't know if I call them reserve bunkers. They're just reserve ships or reserve lives. I'm not sure why they call it bunker bunkers. Oh, well. When the last bunker disintegrates, the next enemy hit will pulverize you. The next enemy hit will pulverize you. Your laser cannon has unlimited firepower, firing powder, though I could have sworn once or twice when I was playing it made sort of a little chime and there was just the briefest hesitation before I could fire as if, you know, the, the chamber's empty, so to speak. And it wasn't like I was changing lives or anything. I don't know. Could have been imagining it, I guess. Each attack wave you survive completely unscathed earns you an additional bunker to a maximum of six, which is weird because I was playing and I, you know, I finished a, a wave and, and I had a whopping like 80 points, eight zero points, and suddenly another life pops up. It was really weird. Every hit you absorb destroys an additional bunker. When all bunkers disappear, another alien barrage will vaporize you. So you really don't absorb the hits so much as get destroyed by them. So this is bad writing. Every hit you absorb destroys an additional bunker. Absorbs suggests that you were able to take it in and not be destroyed. Like maybe you have a life meter, you know? Instead of just losing a life when you get hit, you take some damage, but you don't necessarily die. 
but that's not the case. You get hit, you're destroyed. Using the joystick for this one, position controller so that the red firing button rests in the upper left-hand corner. Someday I'm still going to have a t-shirt that says that that is the greatest life lesson ever. To move the laser cannon left, push joystick left. For right mobility, lean joystick right. To fire, press the red button. The game number appears at the top center of the screen. Hit the game reset to begin the action. Fire button on the left-hand controller resets the game when previous game ends. Right and left difficulty levels determine how aggressively the demons attack. A for aggressive, B for bombardment, basic bombardment. I did not pay attention to where my difficulty switches were set when I was playing today, so I don't really know what the difference is between quote-unquote aggressive action and basic bombardment is. There are one- and two-player versions. I am all by myself, as I have no friends. That's why I'm a podcaster. I only played the one-player version. There are ten different games. Basically, the odd-numbered games are one-player, the even-numbered games are two-player, and the descriptions range from Demon Attack to Tracer Shot Demon Attack, Advanced Demon Attack, Advanced Tracer Demon Attack, Demon Attack Special Co-op Version, and Advanced Demon Attack Special Co-op Version. Uh, Again, I only ever played game one, your basic garden variety demon attack. Games one, three, five, and seven pit you aggressively uh, against aggressively more difficult waves of alien adversaries. Pick up the pace. The higher the game number, the greater the challenge. Games three and seven feature special tracer shots, wherein your laser cannon powers fire all over the screen. That's kind of cool. Games two, four, six, and eight match your wits against more than one uh, more than waves of wind warriors. Huh? Match your wits against more than waves of wind warriors. Again, I didn't try that. Each player takes on similar waves of demons, maneuvers a separate laser cannon, left joystick for red, right joystick for gold. Oh, okay. So you're playing at the same time. If I had friends, I could have tried that out. Uh, Each of you has your own reserve bunker, registers an independent score, which shows when your laser cannon appears on the screen. Play Play alternates between players at the end of each wave. Oh, okay. Maybe you don't play at the same time. You play... Separately, but one of you is red, one of you is gold. Okay. If both players survive the assault, they proceed to the next wave. If one player loses all reserve bunkers and gets vaporized, the other continues on to succeeding waves. Both players' scores show at game's end, keyed to laser cannon color. Games 4 and 8 feature special tracer shots. The special co-op versions, like game 9 and 10, allow two players to take turns against the same wave of attack. Laser cannon control alternates every four seconds. Keep track of your color. Wow. Yeah, you really would have to pay attention if it's every four seconds. Independent scores appear on the screen. You share reserve bunkers. When they're gone, another blast ends the game. Game 9 uses standard weaponry. Game 10 uses tracer shots. If you're hit in games 9 or 10, your, quote, partner scores an additional 500 points. Scoring. Waves 1 and 2, you get 10 points per demon, basically. 3 and 4, 15 points. 5 and 6, 20 points. For demons, 40 for split demons and 80 for diving demons. In 7 and 8, you get 25 for demons, 60 for split demons, and 100 for diving demons. In games 9 and 10, you get 30 for the regular demons, 60 for the split demons, 120 for the diving demons. In 11 and 12, asterisk, how many waves are all told? You tell us. You get 35 points for demons, double asterisk, represents highest possible point award. 70 points for split demons and 140 for diving demons. Tactical tips. For two players, even the odds between players of varying skill. Expert players set the difficulty level corresponding to their joystick to A. Beginners set the difficulty level level to B. That's it. That's your tactical tip right there. If you're just playing by yourself, you're on your own, literally. And that is how you play 
demon attack from E-Magic? I'm not rich or famous. I'm not a movie star, rock icon, first responder, nurse, doctor, or anybody else whom we all look up to. I'm just a schnook. Just like Bill, I love to tell stories. Unlike Bill, though, I'm not creative enough to write my own, so I just tell my own real-life stories in this book-read-by-the-author-style podcast, all about life lessons growing up, and every episode, a segment about music. Music that I love, artists that I admire, and sometimes even my own music. You can find Autobiography of a Schnook on all your favorite podcast suppliers, or you can go to schnookpodcast.com. That's S-C-H-N-O-O-K podcast.com. And I firmly believe the good goes around, and I sincerely hope that Autobiography of a Schnook proves to be some good that goes around your way. Demon Attack uh, was written for the 2600 and ported to Intellivision, Magnavas Odyssey 2, Atari 8-Bit Family, The Vic 20, Commodore 64, IBM PC as a self-booting disk. Kids, go ask your parents. TRS-80, IBM PC Junior, remember those? And TRS-80 Color Computer. There is also a port for the TI-99-4A titled Super Demon Attack. I wonder if the super part really just translated into charging you more money. The game is supposedly based on the 1979 arcade shooter Galaxian, which I can totally see though it closely resembles several waves from the 1980 arcade game Phoenix, which I guess I can also see. The similarities prompted a lawsuit from Atari Inc., who had purchased the latter's home video game rights. E-Magic settled out of court, and Demon Attack became E-Magic's best-selling game as of 1983. It was originally programmed to end after the 84th wave, as Fulop did not expect anyone to get so far. Two days after initial release, however, the game was reported beaten. After this initial run of cartridges, Fulop went back and changed a single line of code so that the game never ends but gets no harder. The Odyssey 2 version was the first third-party game for the console. Jan Yarnot reviewed the Atari version of Demon Attack in The Space Gamer number 53 and commented, quote, This game is interesting and enjoyable and different enough from other cartridges to recommend it for all who must play Atari today. The price is in line with other such programs, and I think the fun of the game makes the price reasonable. Uh, I gotta tell you, Janet, that doesn't sound like an overwhelmingly enthusiastic review. It's kind of like, no, this is as good as all the other crap out there, so might as well play it. Video Magazine reviewed the VCS version of Demon Attack in 82, describing it as, quote, quite simply excellent, and characterizing it as a, quote, true coin-op level program. Covering the game again in its 1982 Guide to Electronic Games, video editors called the cartridge, quote, a state-of-the-art invasion game, and suggested that its, quote, slick graphics represented a, quote, quantum leap for the VCS. However, video reserved higher praise for the Intellivision version, which was described as, quote, even more thrilling graphically than the original VCS edition. I'm stepping away from the microphone for a second. Sorry, as I was reading that, I was convincing myself in the back of my head that I have demon attacked for the Intellivision, so I had to go look. Uh, I do not, in case you were wondering. But I have a feeling it's going to show up during Intellivision month sometime. Demon Attack won the 1983 Arcade Award for Best Video Game of the Year, with the judges commenting that the game had, quote, turned out to be a yardstick against which gamers measured the quality of each new cartridge during 1982. Woodrain Wonderland likes the game, but with some reservations. They disagree that it's a better game than the 2600 port of Phoenix. Atari did a fine job with its version of Phoenix, which includes a boss battle that Demon Attack does not, at least on the VCS version. 
That aside, Demon Attack is fun, challenging, and colorful with some of the best animation available in any game for the system. Starts out a little slow, especially with only one of the on-screen birds firing at you. However, the real fun begins when the birds start dividing and proceeding to kamikaze you into oblivion. Demon Attack is a must-have, but don't think of it as a substitute for Phoenix, which you should have in your collection as well. A-. As I noted earlier, Rob Fulop wrote this game. He was a programmer who created two, according to Wikipedia, of Atari's best, uh, biggest hits. The port of arcade game Missile Command, which is one of my favorites, uh, for Atari in 1982's Demon Attack, which won Electronic Gaming Monthly's Game of the Year award, as I mentioned earlier. Fulop also ported Night Driver to the 2600 and Space Invaders to the Atari 8-bit family. Fulop graduated from the University of California at Berkeley in 78 with a degree in electrical engineering, was hired by Atari's coin-op division where he worked on sound design for a Superman pinball machine, and transferred to the home division after the release of the 2600, creating arcade ports for the newly released console as well as the company's family of 8-bit computers. On July 17th, 81, a group of employees from the division, including Philip, quit to form eMagic, urged on by the success of the ex-Atari employees who formed Activision and the lack of credit they were receiving for their work at Atari. Philip developed the studio's debut game, Demon Attack, which went on to become one of the best-selling 2600 games of all time. And yet, I somehow missed it completely as a kid playing Atari. After working on Cosmic Art in 82, he went to Hungary to visit relatives, and during his visit, he met Erno Rubik, the creator of the Rubik's Cube, which inspired him to create a two-player puzzle game as he felt the genre was underrepresented at the time. In six weeks, he designed Cuba Color. However, Imagic decided against publishing the game due to their belief that a puzzle game wouldn't sell well enough. Fulop later released the game via newsletters. About 100 copies are known to exist. He was later hired by Nolan Bushnell's company Axlon as part of their Nemo team, where he created Night Trap, but due to the console's cancellation, the game was shelved and later released on the Sega CD. The game famously caused controversy upon its release due to its portrayal of violence against women and was heavily criticized. In 1993 congressional hearings on video games, alongside Mortal Kombat and Lethal Enforcers. This, alongside negative reactions from his friends and family, caused Philip to be concerned about the messages video games were sending out to children and inspired his next game, which he decided would be so cute and sissy, quote, that no one could claim he had, it had a harmful effect. The end result was 1995's Dogs, with a Z, Your Computer Pet, which was released by PF Magic, a company he co-founded. The game proved to be popular and kickstarted the Pets franchise of pet simulation video games. He later created Max Magic, consisting of a fortune teller and magician who would perform magic tricks with the aid of the player. PF Magic was acquired by The Learning Company in May of 98, and in March of 2001, Ubisoft acquired the entertainment division of The Learning Company and with it the rights to the Pets franchise. Fulop plays poker semi-professionally, competing in various high-limit poker games in Northern California. He also, in 2015, joined the indie rock band Bourbon Therapy, based out of Oakland, California, as the pianist keyboardist. Bourbon Therapy released their second album, Hymnals and Hangovers, featuring Fulop on piano and keyboard on September 9th, 2016. However, as of 2020, he's no longer a member of Bourbon Therapy. I don't know what the story is there. Among his other games were Fathom, which I remember liking, I think. Something called Patank, P-A-T-A-A-N-K, and Third Degree, and other stuff as well. So there you go. That's Rob Fulop in a wikipedia nutshell. All right. Well, after the break, we figure out if demon attack means you're being attacked by demons, or if it means you are a demon attacking others. Either way, why so much attacking? Can't we all just get along? 
might fear the Reaper, but don't fear the demon, even when they attack. That might go down as the worst opening for a field report ever, but you know what? This podcast is free. So we don't always bat a thousand. Which is good, I guess. I'm not really a baseball player. Anyway, we're playing Demon Attack today on the podcast, and you folks watching this video get to see that. Unless you're watching it with your eyes closed, which would be odd. Alright, here we are. We are on the planet Crybor. Hopefully we won't be crying like a boar later when this game is over. Man, I'm full of them today. Let's just get on with the game before I tell any more jokes. Alright. The action starts immediately. Just going to turn this audio down a little bit. Thank <laughs> you. 
cool. Spidery light. Really difficult now. I don't want to jinx it, but this is the best I've got ever on this game. Just a little bit that I've played. Hey, since when did the little cannons get to shoot me? They weren't doing that before, were they? Ah, walk right into that one. This could be the end, folks. Fans, this is Michael, one of the hosts of the Atari XEGS Card by Card podcast. Join Bill, David, Kieran, and myself as we review cartridge-based games for the Atari's last answer, the 8-bit gaming system, as well as delve deep into their history. Kieran will also introduce everyone to the UK's budget games. You can listen to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Music, Player FM, or from our website at xegs8bit.com. That's xegs, the number 8, bit.com. Hey, it's me, Bill, your host, the guy you've been listening to this whole episode. Do you enjoy the stories I write and read to you every week on this podcast, but you feel like you just need a break from my voice? I get it. My family does sometimes, too. Here's an option. Some of the stories from the show are now collected in a volume titled Misery Banana, very short stories inspired by old games and odd thoughts. You can order it wherever you like to order books. I hope you'll check it out. Thanks. Here's the thing about Demon Attack. I really like this game. I am sorry I didn't... I knew about the game for a long time. I'm sorry I didn't really play it before. Uh, it's a lot of fun. Uh, I see the Galaxian uh, influences, the Phoenix influences, and that's all good because those are good jams too. So if you're going to be influenced by something, those are good choices. I played it a bit. I kind of even felt bad having to start recording because that meant I had to stop playing. It's a lot of fun. It's, it's that addictive kind of fun where you just... There's not a whole lot to the game, right? You're just shooting the, the little demons as they fly across the screen. But it's uh, cathartic, maybe, you know, in a in a year where things aren't going so great generally. Uh, it's nice to just be able to fire fake lasers at fake demons on a screen and, and get some of that out. So um, I heartily recommend Demon Attack for the few of you out there who haven't played it and don't have it in your collections. Uh, go find it somewhere. You can probably, if you don't have an Atari, you can probably find it somewhere in some form that you can play it. So do that. Let me know what you think in one of the various ways that you can contact this show, which we'll talk about at the end of the episode. It's story time on Atari Bytes. Yes, it's story Story, story, story time with Bill. This week's story is titled King Demon Attacks. A great shriek rumbles up from the bowels of hell, signaling the end of the commercial break. Hunger slaked by the entrails of a more or less willing production assistant, the host of the daily program Demon Attacks 
the king demon himself, once again assumes humanoid form, though with an unsettling sheen and dark eyes you could fall into and endure an eternity of pain if you looked directly at him. The demon king looks at his ad copy and speaks into the microphone. Today's episode is sponsored in part by the Devil's Food line of snackables. Remember, they're the Devil's Food. If you want them, give up your soul. While supplies last. The Demon King turned his gaze slowly toward his guests, who blanched, but stayed steady. The Demon, King, the Demon King's face displayed a smile of goodwill, assembled from the teeth of his victims. He spoke again into the mic. My guest today, the Good Witch and the Bad Wolf, are competing for the office of leader of the Gateway Land. The Battle of Wills will commence on November 3rd. Before that break, before the break, I was asking the candidates if they have any concerns about the subjects, nay, voters, entering the gateway land to pledge their souls during this time when the Great Purge is wiping out humanity faster than the human's own failings could ever hope to. The bad wolf snarled, great puffs of steam billowing from his nostrils. The humans will do what humans must, and they will do so with typically timid human care. The good witch gestured majestically the shine of her crown, an affectation rather than a sign of nobility, glinted in the demon king's dark eyes. Well, we can't live our lives in fear, can we? I live to serve the gateway land, and that dedication is worth the risk. The demon king watched the two candidates for a long beat before his voice rumbled forth again. Wolf, you stand accused of lying to the damned about the inevitability of their fate. How do you respond? That snarl again. The facts speak for themselves, demon king, the wolf said. And I speak for the facts, interjected the good witch brightly. Does that not strike you as presumptuous? The demon king asked. Yes, certainly. Being a good leader means presuming all the time. The demon king regarded the good witch. I am not certain you know what presumptuous means. Perhaps, but I presume to know the bad wolf is bad for the gateway land economy. Well, the demon king said, what... Because he is, the good witch interrupted. Bad for the economy. May I speak to that accusation, the bad wolf said. I would expect no less, the demon king invited. The gateway land economy is complicated. It's fine for the humans to say, give us your money and we will give you the services you deserve as we see fit. But in the gateway land, money is useless. Our currency is fear and hopelessness. We need much of both to keep things running. The river of blood won't damn itself. The spider armies can't trample those who would who would flee without right. Can't trample those who would flee without the right equipment. The demons, like your own spawn, Demon King, must feast if they are to go out into the universe to enslave the populace. All of this requires many human souls to be collected. I will do so proudly and with great zeal. The bad wolf wrenched the head from a gargoyle and munched it with great alacrity into the microphone. The demon king was nonplussed. Some would argue there are only so many souls to go around. Why should the gateway land demand more of them? The good witch made a face as she daintily put away the last few bites of the still-beating heart presented to her by an enthralled supporter just before the supporter spontaneously combusted. She dabbed at the corners of her mouth with the dried skin of a bad witch who had long since ceased to be a bother. You might as well ask why there should be a hell at all, mightn't you? The good witch asked. Look, the existence of humanity depends on the balance of good and evil. I don't like it. You don't like it. 
The demon king glowered at the good witch. Okay, maybe you like it, the good witch allowed. But you're powerful and in control. The rest of us, we need to know we have choices. Choices between doing what's right and what's expedient, which isn't always the same thing. One or the other is going to serve the purpose at the moment, but we may be so caught up in the moment that we don't see it. The gateway land is crucial to making that clear. As leader of the gateway land, I will know what's best for you, and through me, you will know too. She is a fool, the bad wolf grunted. Only I know what is best for you. The demon king leaned into the microphone. Actually, the ones who know best for us all are our friends at River Sticks Shipyard in consultation. Need to know your fate and how to get there? Let River Sticks be your guide. Free initial consultation. I'd like to thank my guests, the Bad Wolf and Good Witch. Remember to vote on November 3rd. Your souls have always been on the line, but never so much as today. Trust me. Stay tuned to this station for the Hour of Fear hosted by our friend Reaper. Don't fear the Reaper. Just listen from 2 until 3. The Good Witch and the Bad Wolf stared at each other. The studio vibrated and the walls bled. Cue the commercial break. Hi, this is 8-Bit Rocket, Jeff Fulton, from the Into the Vertical Blank Generation Atari podcast. And you are listening to the incomparable William Pepper and his wonderful stories of the game within a game on the Atari Bytes podcast. When you are done here, come visit us in the Vertical Blank. Now, back to Bill. And that's our show. Thanks to Kevin McLeod and Competech.com for Creative Commons' use of his songs, Reformat, Take a Chance, and Pinball Spring. Thanks to Sean Tortney for the Storytime theme. Go and attack Apple Podcasts to leave a demonic five-star review of this show. A nice demonic, though. Email the show at ataribytes2016 at gmail.com, like the show on our Facebook page, follow the show on Twitter at ataribytes, or follow me personally at Carnival of Glee. Also, look us up on Instagram. Don't forget, some of my Kid Henry's artwork is still up there on Instagram, which you should go peruse and enjoy. And if you would like a signed print from the artist himself, uh, let me know, and we can make that happen. He is also available for special curated projects. If you have a particular item in mind that you would like him to draw within reason, let us know, and we can probably figure out a way to make that happen. Don't forget, you can call us and leave us a voicemail. We're never going to answer the phone, but you can leave us a message about pretty much any damn thing you want at 563-265-1978, and there's a pretty good chance we'll play it on the show. Check out the website, www.carnivalofgleecreations.com. There's all sorts of stuff over there. There's uh, information, social media, episode links for this podcast, Atari Bytes, and for my other show, the monthly deep dive into all things peanuts called It's a Podcast, Charlie Brown. You can find out about books that I've written and get links to just some of the places that you can buy them. Uh, you can find about uh, find out about other things that I've done, uh, all sorts of stuff. Go check out the website. Um, you can also support the show financially, uh, which is greatly appreciated. There are costs involved in putting out a podcast, um, and you can do that by going to our Patreon, p a t r e o n. dot com project. There's an Atari Bytes page over there. Uh, you just go pick the uh, the dollar level that's comfortable for you, and uh, and sign up. At the $2 level per month, which is not a whole lot of money, you can get access, uh, obviously, still to everything you get access to now, plus you get early access, right? Uh, these episodes come out on Sunday, 
Uh, but you don't have to wait. If you're a $2 per month supporter on the Patreon, you can get the episodes early, which means whenever I get the episode done during the week. At the $3 level, you can get um, that, plus you can also get um, the bonus content that we put out every so often, including every week now we've been putting out videos of the field report segment from this show. So you can actually see what I see when I'm playing the game. So that's kind of fun. And we also do other things from time to time that you only get to see if you're a supporter at the $3 level. Um, There is also a $4 level. uh, If you're so inclined, you get all that other stuff. Plus, um, you can tell us what game uh, you'd like us to play. If you have a particular game in mind that we haven't done, um, you can tell us. And if I can find it, I'll play it and make up a story about it. Perhaps most importantly, because people always want to be like the cool people in their lives, if you subscribe on the Patreon, you can be like Michael Tyler, Jose Caseda, Sean Courtney, and Aerospike, who are already Patreon supporters. Be like them. Go sign up. Thank you. All right. All that's left is to tell you what's happening next week. Next time on Atari Bytes, we're playing Sir Lancelot. Yep. We're going all medieval on this podcast. Should be fun. Check it out. So until next time, go play some old games. They've missed you.